Hey everyone, this is Build Your Bottom Line. A production of Treadstone Risk Management. I'm Matt. And I'm Alan. Our mission is to bring together real estate investors, developers, management firms, and contractors to share tips, tricks, hacks, and even some laughs. We want to save you money, protect your business and reputation, and, and help build your, your bottom line. It says, and help build your bottom line. You're gonna say, you gotta, you're gonna... Dumbass. Dumbass. That's the intro right there. <laughs> Cut it. <laughs> Canned it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Build your bottom line. I am Matt. This is Alan. Uh, we are back after a couple of weeks, and we have like a crazy story to talk about, which is fantastic. So um, before we get rolling, as usual, like, comment, subscribe, share, hit the notification bell, retweet. Uh, we got a bunch of people tuning in on Twitter because this is kind of like breaking news for the day. So um, I'm just going to get to it. Uh, we are talking about this building um, that basically uh, partially collapsed in Miami. Um, let me pull up a picture of it just so folks know what we were talking about. This is from Chicago Tribune. Hopefully that's showing up on the screen share. Um, this is basically the one quarter of the building dropped early this morning. Um, there were new reports coming out almost like hourly, uh, that had to do with this. And we wanted to cover this for, you know, basically the risk management aspect of it, but also like the breaking news aspect of it. So, um, what was your first thought, Alan, when you saw this? First thought was, uh, well, that's a, that's a, well, unfortunately the time it happened is rough because it was essentially when people are still in bed. So first thought was, oh my God, what happened to all the people in those apartments? Yes. Uh, so that was first thought. Second thought was how does a building in the middle of a city just fall over? Yeah. 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 No, that that was I think that's what caught a lot of people by attention. It's also not I mean, it's not a brand new building, um, so but it's also not it's not a what do you would even be considered an old building either. Yes. Yeah. So it's I the one thing I was thinking about was, all right, so there wasn't necessarily immediate um, construction default right, or uh, uh, failure. Right. That happened on it. Um, so it's not like it was something that recently was con, you know worked on. And then eventually, you know, it, it fell because something was done improperly within the last couple of days or weeks, right? Um, now, if I forward through on this set of pictures, I think the next one, so it's right there in the middle, if you can see that one right in the middle of the, the shoreline, it is right on the beach. So when I first saw and heard this story, the first thing I thought about was subsidence, right? It Like essentially sinkhole, right? Um, Earth shift related to water is typically what I was thinking about. Um, mm. Obviously, a lot of the building came down on a part of that plot where it's essentially covering up what was the the support structure of the building or yeah. it came down on top of the support structure. So you can't necessarily tell immediately, but like I'm seeing like a ton of debris that's kind of like radiating outward. And so my, my first thought was, uh, either underground water or like a water main or a water so, leak that was yeah. undermining the, the support. Is, so, is that what you thought about? Well, I mean, it was after I read up some, I mean, I, I guess according, according to reports last year, FIU, Florida, what is it? Florida intercoastal university or something like that. I think that's, I think that's what FIU stands for. Did last year just did a study on it because apparently this building has been sinking into the earth at a rate of, and let me get the right number here at a rate of two millimeters per year since the 1990s. Wow. 
So uh, I, I, apparently it, it, it had been noticeable enough where there was an actual research professor who studied the per, that particular building. Yeah. Now, having said that, of course, you know, I, obviously, being that it just happened today, nobody knows yet. They no, no investigations really started. They're still in the process of, uh, of um, looking for survivors. But, you know, you get that you get the back and forth. You get half the people saying, oh, he was sinking in. That's probably what did it in. Then the other half saying, well, there was there was uh, re- repair work being done to the roof. Maybe they had a piece of equipment up there that was too heavy. And it, I don't mean me personally. How, how I, could, I don't I don't really how believe that roofers a piece of equipment that's that heavy that it, it basically. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think the roofers were up there with a steamroller uh, yeah. <laughs> laying down. So I, I don't really understand how that would happen. I would say what what really makes sense in this case is, I mean, I can't discount the fact that there might be something structurally wrong with the building that's just been sitting there and latent for the last, you know, 10 years. Um, But that being said, like that ground shift, immediately my first thought was uh, essentially one of the main or a couple of the main supports just had the the earth underneath it undermined by probably water was my initial thought. I also heard, haven't heard anything about like any kind of, you know, like earthquake, you know, land movement kind of stuff that came with this, um, you know. And so from my standpoint, that's the two things. It's a defect in the building construction or the second one being essentially earth shift because of whatever it is. Like you said, this report that is the the overtime kind of like drop in the building or um, like I said, you know, like water. A lot of times you see things happen like this with a building where you have like a leaking water main underneath the building that just yeah. no one knows about. Well, and because they didn't do the the uh, backfill underneath the project, it ends ends up undermining it and the thing comes down. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I know that, according, you know, they say there's a, an underground parking garage there and all kinds of, you know, so I mean, the, the building has been, Obviously, the ground below it has been removed at some point to uh, to put in parking garages. And I don't know if that's from the original building, but the building, I mean, the building's only 40 years old. Yeah. So it, this is not we're not talking about like, you know, the Empire State Building, which has been around for a century. We're talking about a building that by building standards is not an old building. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and, and in terms of wear and tear on the actual, uh, you know, support material. Yeah. I mean, it should have been constructed. In a, in a matter that this shouldn't have happened. So that's what yeah, makes I mean, me think it, that it has to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, ac- according to Miami, it, it's it, it's built, the, the building was built with current hurricane protections back in the 80s. And most of those, most of those building codes are still valid today. Right. So, I mean, this isn't like, this wasn't a, a you know, a haphazard slap up of a building. They, they put some thought into it. The engineers put some thought into it. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I know that there's an ongoing, obviously there's an ongoing search and rescue. I think uh, the last story I, I saw said that there was about 100 people unaccounted for that they're basically trying to track down. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's 100 people trapped. Yes. It means that there's 100 people they think could have been in the building. Yeah, according, according to reports, I think there's like a, like 180 apartments in it or something like that, and 55 of them are what got lost, but the building is not a permanent residence there's a lot of uh you know the snowbirds that use the building for uh for their um 
vacation so it, it, it may it may not have been fully occupied at the time but the one story i did read that i was like holy i i, I would have had to change my pants immediately was uh they they interviewed one of the survivors who had said you know he was explaining what he heard you know what sounded like thunder and lightning going off and uh and then he felt the whole building shake for you know 20 30 seconds he said he went to leave he opened his door and his hallway was gone Oh Jesus! That, that <laughs> so he like... opened. So he, he, the the cutoff point was his ho, his his room door, and he opened his door and was like, uh, I, "So the firefighters had to get him with a uh, with a with a hook, um, a, bow, a ladder basket, to get him out." <laughs> I I forget if I told you the story, but up here in Jersey, there was uh there was like a a set of condos or townhomes, in in Ewing that blew up. Do you remember that story or like uh? Someone from the gas company was working on the gas. Oh yeah, 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 yes. And yeah. and the uh, a couple of buildings actually exploded because of this. Um, I I knew someone who was a client who was one in the bu- one of the buildings like right next to where the explosion went off. So much so that like he he was in the basement and got trapped because part of his building was compromised. And then his family, like his son, had to jump into the tub like after the explosion to like get away from the debris and everything like that the ptsd that was associated with him going through that as you can imagine i i mean i don't think he ever kicked it like he still got it and we're talking something that happened like six seven years ago Mm -hmm. um he's still dealing with kind of like the ramifications of that so i can't even begin to imagine if you're if you're stuck in that and you were one of the people that uh was just adjacent to it in the building um you know i'd imagine you're going to end up you know, hearing and feeling that for a long time to come. Um, I would imagine so, so. Let, let, let's talk about the risk management here. Um, yes. So the the immediate thing, I don't know if this building is has like a property manager, but the immediate thing that comes to mind here is the, the communication chain, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously you're going to have first responders and things like that on site. But as far as the building owner, the property manager, everyone, anyone else who's associated with the actual owning and operating of that building, one of the first things that they need to have is uh, basically a catastrophe preparedness plan, right? And that has to do with, all right, whose responsibility is it to show up on site and make sure to coordinate with first responders? Um, Whose responsibility is it uh, immediately to start pulling all of the maintenance records and stuff like that from the building? Um, Obviously, you need someone, I would expect one of the first calls went to the risk manager or the insurance company on this one. Um, I would hope and, so. And the insurance company is probably rolling people too, uh, not just claims adjusters, but a lot of times they also have support staff that can come in and help with you know the, the after effects from some of this stuff. So uh, there's that. Uh, you also have to include in the catastrophe preparedness plan the, the local resources that are available. So like for instance, um, I, I wish I had pulled up the number. Uh, they are asking for donations to Red Cross, whether it be money or obviously the the other you know uh, staples for for the individuals that were caught up in this. So, uh, clothing, food, water, things like that. Um, but so any of those stakeholders that are locally within the community, you're also going to need to be coordinating with them because that is something that is going to help out with the response. And quite frankly, as a building owner, like you know. Hopefully, they are really interested in the, the the human safety aspect of this thing, because at the end of the day, no matter how much money is involved in this, 
It's really about preserving life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why a big cornerstone of that catastrophe uh, response plan needs to be those local organizations that could come in and then, you know, help the families and the people that are in the building, um, whether they be, you know, folks that are injured, trapped and things like that, or just other people that are, you know, uh, adjacent to it. And like you said, someone that experienced it, um, mental health counselors, right? Like, um, there's a ton of mental health counselors that are, uh, trained in these kind of like uh, crisis or catastrophe situations mm-hmm. to come in and help people that, you know, even people that were, here's something that's also not thought about people that were in the adjacent buildings, right? Like the, the structures that were nearby also could have some level of, you know, uh, psychological trauma associated mm-hmm. with it. I mean, crap, if I'm in that one building next door and I'm like, all right, you know, does the sinkhole go under my building? Am I worried about, like, I'm sure, pretty sure they evacuated that one too. Yeah. You know, am I going to be able to go to bed at night in the same building right next door, wondering whether or not my building's going down as well, you know? Um, But yeah, so that was my first thought was catastrophe preparedness planning. Um, My next thought after that was uh, staff and workers for the, the actual emergency responders. So emergency responders obviously are, um, they, they, they put their, their personal safety in jeopardy when they're responding to something like this and crawling through a building. Um, so that was the next place where, you know, my mind went in terms of that. Um, what, what was your first reaction in terms of, uh, you know, outside of just, you know, what the mechanics of it were? Well, I mean, obviously for, first and foremost is they, I'm sure that I'm, I, I and I, I think that was even one of the reports. They, the, the amount of equipment being rushed there to just support what little building was still standing, mm. um, because you know before you even start looking for survivors, the first thing you had to do is make sure the building is secure enough to go look for survivors. Yep. Um, you know, a you know most people who, uh, you know, you know, I mean, you and I, we, we were in college when when nine eleven hit. I mean, first first thing that happened is everybody rushed in not not worrying about building stability and well we and we know the result of what happened yeah um you know things have things have long since changed since then so it's you know there, there's new procedures in place and a lot of these you know it sound it sounds cruel but first responders f- first job is to secure the scene and make sure that they can actually work yeah um, well, on, before, on the before public they sector even side, do it on the public sector side we run into that a lot too because uh uh, a lot of um, like EMS people will want to run in immediately, um, and they do have to wait for police to secure the scene, especially if it's a like a mass violence situation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fire because um, something that needs to be contemplated in a situation like this is uh, a subsequent fire that could break out in a building like this. Um, it's pockets of so like. Uh, Anyone who works in like an industrial setting understands the the idea of confined space, right? If you have a small space, you can get a pocket of gas that isn't oxygen or air, uh, mm-hmm. and you get trapped in that area. You're they they you won't survive it if you don't yeah. have a respirator and things like that. So that's something also that the first responders are having to contend with is the actual safety associated with them being able to get in and not necessarily become you know, someone else now that needs to be rescued or is injured or a casualty of this. Um, 
Did you see? I, I, I saw one one fatality associated with it. Did you see yeah, so far. No, just just one. But I, I believe that the first the first uh, rescued and <laughs> you're talking about mental health and trauma. The first rescue was a child which pulled from the rubble. Ugh, could you imagine? Dude, that's like uh, I can remember. So uh, I can remember when I was in grade school, we were actually in uh, we were in one of these programs where they take you into the actual courthouse and you sit and watch a trial. Um, and in one of the court, they had a high profile case in one of the courts that was like, I forget if it was one level above us or below us, but the dude's brother rolled in hot. And like shot a couple of the uh, shot a couple of the police officers and stuff, uh, and they put the entire building on lockdown. Obviously, when that all went down, and that was like, I I was not even directly involved in that, and and had effects from it, right? Like um, being in there and seeing someone run in with blood on their shirt and stuff like that. Now you know this is like that times a thousand because mm-hmm. if you are stuck in any part of that building that came down, especially as a kid, that's going to be something that's going to stick with you. So, um, yeah, I, I think the mental health aspect of this is like, it, it's somewhat of an immediate concern. And it's also a long-term concern associated with, you know, any of the people that are involved in either the, the catastrophe itself, or also the first responders that are, uh, involved in the search and rescue. Um, all right. So, uh, let, let's talk about recovery, understanding that they're still going through and doing, uh, search and rescue and trying to locate people or at least cross off the possibility as to whether or not they were in the building at the time. Um, what do you think the first steps are going to be towards actually, you know, cleaning up and, and, and trying to get to that next level where, uh, this building is, you know, uh, what's the next step inspection afterward? Yeah. I mean, after the, uh, well, you know, fast fast forwarding past all the stuff, and now you've just got an empty shell of a building that's partially collapsed. Obviously, the next thing is you're going to get in there is you're going to they're probably going to have FBI investigators, um, structural engineers, um, the, exactly. you know, ge- geological engineers doing soil soil testing. They're going to be doing structural testing. They're going to be, you know, I, I mean, it in in this day and age, they're going to be doing terrorism terrorism investigations to make sure it wasn't a you know a, a hot you know a, a an intentional explosion yeah i didn't see uh, any of those i didn't see any of those rumors floated at the no beginning. no I, yeah i mean mostly most they won't but i mean well let's be There's real they're, they're, it's, it's going to happen yeah they're they're going they're There's going to they're going to do it right? to cross it off the list yeah. Uh, at some, you know, at some point, it's there. You know, I'm sure the building's going to wind up being condemned. I, it, probably everybody who lived there will no longer be living in that building. Yeah. Um, well, so, so, so let's talk about the ramifications of the the kind of long term recovery. So, um, you have uh, a, a large number of people that have um, been affected physically, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, they're they're for the building owner and operator there is liability that's associated with that, whether it be loss of life or injury. Um, You also have people that if they owned units in this building, now they have uh, essentially a a monetary loss, like an asset loss that ends up affecting them. So that's also another level of liability for the the property owner, the building owner. Um, What you also have is those individuals in the building that get displaced 
they now have to find substitute housing, right? They yep. will have to rent somewhere, go live with family and things like that. So there is a, a monetary impact associated with that as well that gets thrown on top of that. Um, and what will happen is a lot of them would have had, like if they were owners or renters, hopefully they had insurance covering their unit. Um, and then you have essentially a negotiation that happens between the owner's insurance company and their insurance company to determine who pays what and how much, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I, attorneys will make a lot of money. Uh, yes. Of this, as, as is always the case. I think that's something that we uh, we hit on quite often is, you know, call your attorney, but also attorneys get paid a lot of money in these cases. And this is going to be no exception, um, you know, and, and that's something where, uh, look, and I can't blame them. Anyone who is involved in this, any of the people in the building, um, they're, they're going to file legal action. Absolutely. So, you know, th that, yeah. that is going to be the, the next recourse that they have um, after obviously the immediate concerns of, uh, you know, safety and security. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think this is one of those things where it, it happens. Uh, it happens more often than I wish than I wish it did, obviously. I mean, one time is one time too many. But uh, this is also something where whether you're a tenant in the building or you're a building owner, um, a lot of people can be lulled into a false sense of security that these things like, oh, they never happen or they rarely happen. Uh, this is part it's of the happening reason more why and more. It, it, well, um, yeah, and, and in different ways, too. The first thing that I thought about was this being right on the shore was, you know, was it high tide? Right. Like that was that was one of the first things I thought about. Um, or, you know, uh, plus the kind of, you know, I mean, the reports of sinkholes opening up in the south, all across the south are becoming more and more prevalent, swallowing houses, swallowing forests, swallowing lakes. So, well, so that, yeah. that's something that also uh, gets talked about in the insurance industry a lot. So, uh, you know, the 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 insurance nerds like myself who go back and talk about, you know, nerd uh, <laughs> policy and product construction and stuff like that. We, we talk about the trends that are in place and some of the trends are these like urban development and, and planning trends where uh, the direction of water is not either understood or contemplated enough, right? Um, and so if this is an earth settling, earth movement or a water related issue with this building, a lot of it could have to do like – like we said, it's a 40-year-old building. Like, why did it take 40 years to fail? Well, it could have been something structurally that took 40 years to fail, or it could have been a development up the road that mm -hmm. diverted a certain amount of water or up the beach line that diverted a certain amount of water and caused this to happen, you know? Yes. I mean, it's, you know, they, they the uh, geological engineers love to talk about, you know, rocks and dirt and the movement and the loss of, you know, the movement. I mean, even, you know, if you look at how a lot of water tables and, and rivers have been changed and diverted to make room for development, you know, it's like, you know, it, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So it's, it, if you move one thing, it's changing something else. Oh yeah. Well, and uh, Miami specifically, Florida, you know, as a result of the, mass migration of people from states like ours, like New Jersey, New York, California, to Florida, there's been a lot of building and development uh, over the years. And all of that has implications in terms of, you know, like we were talking about, water, water flow, um, 
even wind, right? Like how wind navigates its way through a built-up area within yeah. a city or a state is is also a big uh, a big concern. Um, so yeah, any any or all of these could have contributed to the situation. So you know, obviously, it goes without saying that we're you know hopeful that the the loss of life stays at at, at one and and yes. you know they don't they don't lose anyone else. Um, but you know the recovery efforts are going to take a long time too. So, you know, we're, we're going to have to sit here and keep tabs on it, but, mm-hmm. um, look, anything else to say about the situation, any other take homes or, or lessons or, or warnings that need to be heeded by someone who might own or operate a building like this? Well, I, I mean, you know, first and foremost is, is building maintenance, make sure you're staying up to, up to task on your building maintenance to avoid things like this. You know, if you see if you see a wall with, with a severe crack or it's bowing or I mean, that, that that that's a huge cause of almost every shift in a building is a wall is bowing somewhere. Somebody told you about it and you then proceeded not to act on it, thinking it'll be fine for another few years. I'm selling the building, whatever you want to believe. <laughs> what you know, if, if it's bowing, it's already shifted. It's not shifting. It has already shifted. Yep. Walls do not have walls do not have lumps. Yeah. And and you cited like a university study that was done on the building just not, last year. Know, all all buildings don't necessarily get that, right? So yeah, uh, very very few get that. Did you see how it was pro- like? Did the building owner actually ask for that, or was that something uh, like the city mandated? Let me see if it was in the report here. The city required it. That's something where uh, that that's actually unusual. So let's see. It uh, it was a okay. So it was a subject of a lawsuit in which the stru- maintenance of the structure's outer walls was uh, was drawing attention as was the flooding and land erosion i guess near the near the plot so a uh, a professor from doesn't give the professor's name so i can't really give any uh wait well, maybe it does professor uh, yeah i ain't pronouncing that name <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Not just gonna, well, anyway. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you i will i will i will murder that name um, they, they, it looks like they were, they were examining increases in flooding frequency near that, near that building. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and, and I guess in the process of doing that had discovered that the building had been sinking by a rate of two millimeters per year since the nineties. Uh, so it is, it has been, uh, I, I guess, yeah, the changing of tides, the rising of sea levels, you know, all the usual yeah. things, but yeah, it- and it would not surprise me if it didn't have to do with just the sea level, but also the water runoff from that plot or other plots that were also associated yep. with it. Uh, urban development, compacted sediment, um, reclaimed marshlands, basically everything that has to do with fast urban development. A yeah. city grows quicker than the earth can handle. Yeah. Uh, Tamsel saying uh, – was ready for its 40 year inspection. I would say, uh, hopefully, hopefully this was caught. Well, I don't know if this was caught earlier. Like you were talking about Alan, like the, the idea of visual inspection Uh and seeing, uh, if something is wrong and then bringing in a structural engineer to look at it like electively. Yeah. It sounds like this study was done as a result of a legal action. Yes. If if you own and operate this building, 
I mean, quite frankly, we're we're seeing that you owe it to the people that live in the structure to have this have this inspected. Um, if it was, and again, I don't know the particular. If it was an association, like a condo association or something like that, that owns the building, okay. Uh, this is, you know, anyone who sits on a condo or a homeowners association, take this as fair warning. If there are structural issues with the building, and as the association, if you're a representative okay. or you sit on the board of the association, as the, you know, de facto owner of the outside of the building, the structure of the building, if you walk through and you see things that look messed up, dude, bring in an engineer and have them have yeah. them evaluated. So, like, yeah, so... Apparently there was a let's see it, it happened in 2015. There was a lawsuit over the wait. I just lost it. Where'd it go? Uh, a 2015 lawsuit filed by a resident in the South Towers, which I, I if I, I believe from the other report is the is the side that collapsed. Mm. Uh, alleged that the building management did not properly maintain the structure's outer walls. Water was seen seeping through. Uh, and I'm just trying to see if there's any other information in here, because, of course, you know, when you click on an article, you get the fact you're looking for plus nine pages of filler because the because the, you know, the guy writing the article gets paid by the word. Yep. But yeah, it looks. Yeah, I'll hear this. Yeah. Water seeped through cracks in the outside wall, causing an unspecified amount of damage. And of course, most 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 of the lawsuit is, you know, under wraps because it was probably settled at some point. Um, but it looks like they've actually filed over that, or I'm sorry, a lawsuit has been filed twice over that same issue. So from what it sounds like is it was something building management knew about and may or may not have done anything to, to deal with it. Yeah. Or, or felt that, uh, hopefully they didn't gain the system and hopefully this was a purely, um, neutral assessment of the, the structural integrity of the building. Something that, that completely also... changes the risk management if you willfully ignored structural damage. Yes. Or, you or might as well. In, or brought yeah. in someone you knew was going to give you a favorable report. Yeah. You right? might as well kiss your freedom goodbye because you're going to prison. Well, so uh, which also brings up another point is in these cases, if you're electively having like an inspection and analysis done, it also means that you're bringing in a professional that they themselves have insurance coverage. Mm hmm. So if you're the building owner and you're trying to do the proper due diligence to make sure that the structure is secure and you're bringing in a professional, uh, what's your old adage? Have a contract. Have okay, a contract. Write it down. Have a certificate, right, that names you as additional insured, especially because that, that engineer or whoever's coming in to assess the structural integrity of the building if they, you know, if if their degree isn't worth or if their license isn't worth the paper that it's printed on, at least have their insurance on record so that you can then go back and say, look, I tried to do my due diligence. I had it studied. This person, you know, didn't know what they were doing and we had no reason to think that they wouldn't. Um, mm. You know, you, you at least have some kind of uh, recourse to fall back on. You know, yes. Yeah, so if, uh, if you have an engineer that wrote a report that says everything's fine, you're you're good to go, and this happens, then you you say, listen, now we had it studied. This is what the report said. We figured we were in the clear. Now, having said that, then the next person they go after is that engineer. However, if that engineer turns around and says, "Oh, he paid me ten grand to say that," 
yeah there's going to be an issue yeah yeah no i most definitely and i mean even if it's like a wink wink nudge nudge kind of thing like no like it needs to be completely independent um let me see here i've got a article i'm throwing this up on the fly so uh excuse me for not having this fully read already but um, okay i i i did all i did all the work you just you did do all the hard work do whatever Um, it is you do relationship anyway so uh red cross this is a statement on the uh collapse the building collapse um collective our collective hearts are broken as additional details emerge regarding the tragic building collapse in surfside um, families are dealing with pain of losing their homes and uncertainty of missing loved ones. Uh, the American Red Cross is finding safe places to stay for the residents and other displaced, but others displaced by the crisis. Um, let me read further here. As always, we're working alongside local authorities. Um, they're looking to reunite people that might have been separated. If you live at the Champlain at Champlain Towers. Please complete a wellness check form, and they have a, uh, a bit.ly link here, or register yourself at safeandwell.org to help uh, coordinate that. They're also making um, – uh, they also, on June 14th, put out Red Cross announced a blood shortage, and healthy individuals are urged to roll up their sleeve and donate blood. So that's also another way that you can help uh, in terms of – not just this crisis, but any other crises, crises that might happen in that area and work with uh, the Red Cross on that one. I will actually share the link to this article in the comments for everyone so that they can see this. Um, so, yeah, and um, in line with uh, the Red Cross's sentiments, Tamsel saying... Um, Looks like a lack of steel could be the problem. I don't know. It's tough with all the debris that's on top. Um, can't see very many of the beams, so who knows? Uh, but also prayers to the the people that are involved. So most definitely uh, prayers and wishes for those people. Um, and hopefully, like I said, the the um, loss of life stays at just one for now. Yes, um, that's always helpful. So, any final take 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 home, Alan? Uh. Nah, just a rough day. <laughs> rough day. Yeah, yeah I, it's it's uh, definitely a, a crappy story, um, and hopefully we've been able to kind of bring it to the forefront as as hopefully the the learning, uh, you know, the learning that must be done from this. Yes. Obviously, in the immediate wake of this happening, um, but yeah. So uh, look, we are here every single week. Uh, we took a couple of weeks off, but. We are back and and rolling hot on this. So uh, every uh, every Thursday we're coming at you at eight thirty p.m. Uh, build your bottom line. It's about real estate, real estate management, construction, uh, uh, basically uh, protection of reputational risk, as well as in cases like this, life safety, fire safety, things like that for building developers and contractors, property managers. So um, thank you for joining us. We hope you got something out of it. Um, and if something else comes up with respect to the story, we will make sure to share it with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the program. And gained some new insights. Remember to hammer that like button. And follow or subscribe. Make sure to tune in next time. And as always, build your bottom line. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.